Part 1. The Age of Average Individual talent is too sporadic and unpredictable to be allowed any important part in the organization of society. Social systems which endure are built on the average person, who can be trained to occupy any position adequately, if not brilliantly. Stuart Chase, The Proper Study of Mankind Chapter 1 The Invention of the Average In 2002, UC Santa Barbara neuroscientist Michael Miller conducted a study of verbal memory. One by one, 16 participants lay down in an fMRI brain scanner and were shown a set of words. After a rest period, a second series of words was presented, and they pressed a button whenever they recognized a word from the first series. As each participant decided whether he had seen a particular word before, the machine scanned his brain and created a digital map of his brain's activity. When Miller finished his experiment, he reported his findings the same way every neuroscientist does, by averaging together all the individual brain maps from his subjects to create a map of the average brain. Miller's expectation was that this average map would reveal the neural circuits involved in verbal memory in the typical human brain. Whenever you read about some new neuroscience discovery accompanied by a blob-splotched cross-section of a brain, here are the regions that light up when you feel love, here are the regions that light up when you feel fear, it's a near certainty that you are looking at a map of an average brain. As a graduate student, I was also taught the method of producing and analyzing the average brain, referred to as the random effects model in the jargon of science, when I was trained in brain imaging at Massachusetts General Hospital. The driving assumption of this method is that the average brain represents the normal, typical brain, while each individual brain represents a variant of this normal brain, an assumption that mirrors the one that motivated the Norma lookalike contest. This premise leads neuroscientists to reject left-handed people from their studies, since it is presumed the brains of left-handed people are different from normal brains, or sometimes even throw out those individuals whose brain activity deviates too far from average, since researchers worry these outliers might cloud their view of the average brain. There would have been nothing strange about Miller reporting the findings of his study by publishing his map of the average brain. What was strange was the fact that when Miller sat down to analyze his results, something made him decide to look more carefully at the individual maps of his research participants' brains. Even though Miller was investigating a well-studied mental task using the standard method of brain research, and even though there was nothing unusual about his participants' average brain, he glanced over a few of the individual maps. It was pretty startling, Miller told me. Maybe if you scrunched up your eyes real tight, a couple of the individual maps looked like the average map. But most didn't look like the average map at all. Other people before Miller had noticed that individual brains often failed to resemble the average brain. But since everyone else ignored this awkward fact, they usually ignored it too. Just as scientists and physicians long ignored the fact that no real woman looked like Norma. 
But now Miller did something that might seem perfectly obvious to do, yet few had ever bothered to attempt. He systematically compared each of the 16 individual brain maps from his verbal memory experiment to the map of the average brain. What he found astonished him. Not only was each person's brain different from the average, they were all different from one another. Some people's brains were mostly activated on the left, others on the right. Some brains were mostly activated in the front, others in the back. Some looked like a map of Indonesia with long, thick archipelagos of activation. Others were almost entirely blank. But there was no avoiding the most salient fact. Nobody's brain looked like the average brain. Miller's results paralleled those obtained by Gilbert Daniels during his investigations of hands, except this time the organ being studied wasn't a limb. It was the very cradle of thought, feeling, and personality. 